morning, bitches, and welcome to Wellness for Real, the podcast where we talk about all things wellness. I'm your host. My name is Marlena, and if you're new here, welcome. We have so many amazing episodes, so make sure you go back and check those out as well. We talk about everything on this show. I was inspired to start this podcast after uh, finally finding success in my own weight loss and wellness journey uh, by finally shedding all of the toxic diet culture bullshit and just embracing finding what works for me. So we share other people's stories, uh, tips, tricks, all the things, um, and we talk about it all. So buckle up, y'all, because it's about to get real. bitches and welcome back to wellness for real live summer series y'all we made it to the season finale and no better way to close out the live summer series uh, than to have our favorite therapist back on the show um dr steph we're going to be talking about all the things uh, she's an eating disorder specialist um and all about that self-love so Let's chat about it. Uh, so we're going to wait for her to join our live. Um, if you guys have any questions, you can leave them down in the question box. And then I did also receive questions throughout the week from you guys that we will go over as well. You can try to leave questions in the comments too, but sometimes we miss those. All right. Going to add our... Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. This is fun. I love doing live stuff. This is really fun. Yes, it is. It is. It's fun to be able to interact and um, have the people right here with us while mm -hmm. we record. So how are you doing? Because okay. we haven't really talked since the world has really gone to shit. When was that? Because it feels like it wasn't that long ago, but also it was that long ago, right? Yeah, I think the last time we chatted was in the end of 2019. So kind of right before everything went wow. to shit. <laughs> so we've been through like a pandemic, social mm -hmm. justice, like just shit needs to like burn down. Um, I yes. Mean, we had a mental health crisis when we talked in 2019. So I'm just going to say, I think that it's only it's just gotten harder for people so yeah absolutely and I, I want to ask you how you're doing because oh, I would assume that for mental health care providers this has been you know you still have a life right and then you yeah. also have to help other people kind of yeah. navigate all of this unprecedented right. shit we're going thank through you so asking. how are you thank you you know I've always been a big proponent of like having support like therapists coaches like your crew right of people who yeah. um uh, hold you accountable and make you want to like change and be better so I really leaned on those folks and got a lot of permission to like not do things and not work so hard so I really have just made myself a priority, made caring for myself a priority. And that doesn't mean that I haven't, like, I've been anxious. Shit's been really hard. It's been really emotional. It has been. Um, 
it's been really hard, but I've learned to just put myself first and take care of myself. And that's how I'm getting through it. Yeah. And that's really all we can do, right? Mm -hmm. Lean into our support and take care of ourselves. And I love that you said, give yourself permission to not work so hard and to take breaks because I feel like especially for women, that is something that we struggle so much with is giving ourselves permission to just Mm -hmm. be right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I always say rest is action. Mm. Like it really is a verb. Like, and we, it, it really does take intention. I think we think that rest is just like, I don't know. It can feel dull. It can feel, unmotivating it can feel very like meh sometimes I think that's boredom right but boredom and rest aren't always the same thing you know Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely that's definitely something that I struggle with is like Mm -hmm. am I bored or do I need to like allow myself to like rest and reset um, and I mean, we've, we're literally going through a collective trauma right now. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they're not really acknowledging how all of this is affecting mm. them. I know before we started recording, um, we talked about how things are quote unquote going back to normal, but are we really back to normal? And I, I said it when kind of early in the pandemic happened, we were all like desperate and all being told, you know, things will go back to normal. Things will go back to normal. And I was kind of like, I don't think we're going, I I don't think we need to be back where we were before. Mm -hmm. Like I, this whole like last few years and like how I dealt with all this, like, trauma is again like making myself a priority and really learning about myself and learning that like um what I can and can't be in control of right and it's like uh, you know we what can I do I can only do what I could do right now to be my better self Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I feel like a lot of the things that I'm seeing people struggling with the most right now is that piece of giving themselves Mm -hmm. the permission to rest, Mm -hmm. um, but also just um, finding a good balance again with like life and work and and still taking care of yourself. So for you, what are what are some things or advice or um, ways Mm -hmm. that you help people um, Mm kind of get back in touch with that? What comes to my mind, the first word that I saw when you asked that question was fun. Mm. Fun. Like, we just don't give ourselves enough fun as adults. We really forget there is this, like, inner child part of us, right? There really is this, like, uh, this, like, lively part of us. And so I think it's remembering and reminding myself when things get hard or, hey, Stephanie, you don't have to stress out about all of these things just have fun just have fun yeah absolutely and I love that Mm -hmm. you talked about our inner child because that's something that I talk a lot about on the show especially when it comes to like movement and exercise so often people think that that means that they have to be a gym rat right or running marathons or doing whatever they their idea of exercise is um and a question I've learned to ask people is like well what did you enjoy doing when you were a kid 
Did you like playing soccer? Did you like doing flips? Like, what did you enjoy doing? Like, get back in touch with that. Um, And I know for me, that's really helped me heal my inner child is kind of getting back in touch with those things that I enjoyed doing when I was younger. Yeah, and I think that's a whole, the inner child might be a big piece of like this, like um, intuitive exercise, intuitive eating, right? It's like, like tuning into that kind of like fun, innocent, like creative part of us, right? That we don't, I think as adults, it's easy to kind of like dismiss that stuff and not allow that a space to have that. So fun is how I try to remind myself to kind of get honor my inner child and honor my intuition right it's like because I think that's when we can be a little creative and a little bit like but exercise should be just that right moving my body should be just that eating food should be just that just Mm -hmm. like living your life like just you should be having fun and exercise and food is just kind of maybe the cherry on top maybe of that like it's not that big of a deal but it can be that big of a deal (laughs) yeah and for a lot of us especially if you listen to my podcast obviously you're here because you probably struggled with those things at some point in your life you know with your relationship with food and your body and moving um so I just want to chat a little bit more about um like what a healthy relationship with those things should look like. And obviously we know that that's a very nuanced topic. It's not going to look the same for everybody. Um, But I see a lot of red flags in the, in wellness and fitness community. And I'm just curious uh, from a professional standpoint, what are some of those red flags that people should look for in themselves that kind of say, okay, maybe I'm, Um, exhibiting some, you know, not so great behaviors with these things. Right. Because I think it can be disordered eating really is kind of like where this, right? It's when does Mm -hmm. it become disordered, right? Mm -hmm. And, And not so much healthy anymore. Well, I think it's first defining your own, what does healthy mean to you, right? What would that feel like? What kind of like, what are behavioral healthy behaviors, right? Like weight and those things, that's a demographic variable. That's not a health variable. So that's where it gets nuanced, right? Because that's going to feel and look different for everybody. So a lot of kind of um, tuning into your inner values and your inner, like um, what's important to you, right? So when I think it crosses the line when those values and you living your life, the things you want to be doing, the things that are important to you, when it starts to make you feel bad about living your life, right? Any kind of guilt, any kind of shame, honestly, like shame is not it's not an emotion we want to hang on to, right? And so if we're shaming ourselves for not moving or moving or whatever, you know, in a certain way, I really think that's where that line starts to cross, right? And so it's, are you, when are you sacrificing yourself, your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health? That's when the line is, that, those are the red flags. 
Yeah, and I and I see that so often. I see mm-hmm. people beating themselves up over things like maybe missing a workout or maybe they didn't, you know, eat the way that they had intended to eat that day mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it may be. And they, they're just so, you know, we're so conditioned to be so hard on ourselves. Um, but, like, you deserve That's to, it. like, be yes. nice to yourself. <laughs> yeah, shame doesn't motivate. Shame does mm-hmm. not make us better like I don't I think that's really like a toxic trauma like trait that we carry around this it's almost like this like I'm gonna say like this like capitalist patriarchal almost like conditioning right of like this like you have to do these things in order to earn enoughness right that's those things aren't conditional right you living your life you having fun that just is you don't have to earn that yeah and I love that you said that that's not motivating because I feel like especially if people are going into trying to become a healthier person they're always searching for motivation Mm -hmm. um and somehow they think that beating themselves up and being horrible to themselves is going to motivate them to do the things that they feel like they should be doing yeah when in fact it does the complete opposite it turns that shame knob up right like there should be no shame this is a healthy like this is if you want to live your life and working out and and spending hours at the gym if that is how you want to live your best life for real like if you Mm -hmm. have no shame about that and that is in alignment with your values and good for you good for you yeah but if then you aren't taking a job you aren't going out with friends you're skipping dinners you're crying in your closet because you don't want to wear don't think you can wear an outfit right like that's disgusting that we feel that way about ourselves like we oh oh we shouldn't feel that way yeah, I completely agree. And I know for me, um, like, I genuinely love working out and the way that I move my body, like, it really does bring me a lot of joy and it helps my mental health a lot. Yes. yes. Um, and, but there's like this fine line between having discipline with that um, on days where I know a workout is going to make me feel better, right? It's going to help my mental health. Um, but also, like, being able to give myself grace on days where I I know my body just needs to rest or I'm just not in it mentally, you know, and Mm -hmm. I just don't want to do it. And like, that's okay. Right. Um, And and I feel like a lot of people like have a hard time, like figuring that out. (laughs) Because balance is always shifting and changing. There's this kind Mm -hmm. of idea out there of like, once I do this thing, then right, it's like this checkbox and we feel like we'll have this sort of like achievement, accomplishment, enoughness, right? But moving your body, you have to literally move your body and enjoy moving your body for the rest of your life. It's not like a when I gain or lose or when I get a six pack, then I can enjoy moving my body or, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's how is it sustainable? Like your exercise should be something that literally you're going to be able to do for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, and same with um, what you're eating, right? Exactly. Because we see people go on these crazy diets. Right. 
I see a lot of people hopping on the keto train right now and, and, you know, doing these really restrictive, crazy things. Right. Um, and you know, to each their own, you know, sure. but, but sure. <laughs> I see but, it making a lot of people miserable. Right. And is that how you literally want to eat every single day for the rest of your life? Because that's what you're mm-hmm. kind of signing up to do. Now, mm-hmm. I enjoy a keto meal at home every once in a while. My cookbooks from, you know, what I cook at home would have, you know, like different types of, you know, diet culture names on them right it's not an endorsement of those diets it's just sometimes health food tastes good <laughs> yes absolutely and and since keto is so popular everything I feel like is being labeled keto if it's lower calorie yeah it, 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 they just throw the name keto on it you know right. and I, there are certain things that I buy there's a bread that I love that I buy um and it's it's keto bread you know and I'm just like what like the branding of the marketing is awesome it? because it, it, it makes money. Like it's such yes. a, there's such a, there's such messaging out there of we're not enough. We're lacking. Right. And so all yes. of these things that we're buying somehow are going to make us feel better in some way. This diet is going to make me feel better. Losing weight is going to make me feel better now. I'm not going to say those things don't happen, okay? Like, it, losing weight, I know I, I know what it's like to feel, I know what it feels like to lose weight, I know what it feels like to gain weight. Um, mm-hmm. Neither are right or wrong or good or bad, though, right? It's just, are you living your life the way that you want to be living your life and yes. having fun, mm-hmm. right? Living your values, okay, Okay, that's all that should matter. And your body and what you eat and how you move should just kind of fit in with that. Yes, and those things change throughout everyone's life, and that's normal. Um, And I know we talked about this last week on the show um, with our guest last week, Jasmine, how so often we kind of get stuck, and we see this with people in wellness where they get stuck in this kind of box right and they're like I do this program or I, I I'm this and they kind of become that and they're afraid to do anything else or to shift or to change or to evolve at all when right. really that is what wellness is is us evolving right and changing and changing and open to that Absolutely. and that's why that balance is always shifting and changing right because mm-hmm. Sustainability, diet, movement, all of these things have to fit in with how you're living your life. If everything in your life is peaceful and great and good and we're not in a collective trauma, then hitting the gym and maybe, you know, eating a certain way might feel a little bit easier for you, right? It may not feel so hard to, like, hit up the gym. But, like, sometimes, not sometimes... Life gets really fucking hard. We have mental health stuff. We have physical health stuff. And those balance in life means saying, hey, I have to pull back here, right, in order to feed into and take care of this part of myself when this is feeling a little bit better, right, and I'm a little more 100%, I can go back to doing the fun things and, you know, I I can do the more fulfilling things in my life. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of want to chat about that a little bit deeper and just talk about shifting your mindset from, uh, because I know this is something I still work on all the Mm -hmm. time, is shifting my mindset from a place of scarcity to a place of abundance and like believing that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just want to know like what what your advice is to kind of uh, continue that growth. So I think it is an action, like an intentional action to be in that mindset, especially if uh, personally, I had to do a lot of my work to work on the scarcity mindset and develop an abundance mindset. And there's trauma that comes up there, right? Like if you've had, there's lots of reasons why we have <laughs> scarcity trauma money trauma uh mm-hmm. physical abuse sexual abuse like neglect all of those things um living honestly i think in a capitalist country can really make money and scarcity mindset stuff so right so i think it took me having to really kind of understand my own beliefs around what like my worth and um that I'm just as good as someone who has everything right there's no there's no difference um but it is also kind of always keeping that stuff in check like I like to think of this, okay, so there's these cartoons that I'll share all the time on my Instagram and stuff, but it's like a brain and a heart, right? And like the brain is always like overthinking and overanalyzing these things. And the heart is like, no, like, let's like have fun and just like hang out here and just like play around, right? I think balance is all the time like, am I in my brain and being trying to like overthink this? Or am I trying to like, do I need to be like feeling something and dealing with something and experiencing something? Cause I think that's all we have to do is just experience the shit while we're here. Like sometimes that's all we can do. Right. It's just like, that. it's a lot of just acceptance. Right. And that helped me overcome this like scarcity stuff. But it's all, it's also being like, I have to do this work every single day. I have to always be checking in with myself self-care doesn't mean that on Sundays I give myself a massage and I go get a mani-pedi it means that I am evaluating and checking in with myself all the time yes and knowing that it is important to take steps to make myself feel good right like I'm allowed Mm -hmm. to I'm allowed to set boundaries to feel good and when I feel good shit happens yeah it's so it's true easier it's to be an abundant mindset. so powerful yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah definitely and just that acceptance piece I feel like is just mm-hmm. um it like you said it's easier said than done it can definitely um be very challenging but um we can we're capable of it right right and it's just a daily it's a day just like every day if you're dieting or working out you have really good intentions and like you're taking action for yourself every day what if you just Mm -hmm. tuned in just tuned in right and asked yourself asked yourself 
Yeah, I mean, even again, as, as women, I feel like, um, you know, I'm always amazed at how little women know even just about their own bodies. Uh, you know, we're not how, taught. No, we're not. And how, how not in tune we are with ourselves and our bodies and our cycles and all of that. Um, I mean, Felicia and I just recorded an episode for our subscribers and we talked about, um, you know, even just how, how women don't even know the proper names for, you know, they don't even know the difference between their vagina and their vulva. Like that's seems like a very common thing. Um, so I, I just, I just, I just want women to like, you know, understand themselves and it's so powerful. Um, you'll really start to see everything else kind of fall into place. Or at least that's, that was my experience. Um, once I really started to get into tune with myself and understood, yeah. And understood myself and my body. Um, there's just so much more self love there because I understand myself. Right. And I think that makes it then easier to then maybe go to the gym with some more consistency, right? When you really like are feeling care for yourself, right? You, you show yes. up for yourself in the ways that you're shaming yourself to show up for. Yes. <laughs> so yes, shame, doesn't, exactly. shame isn't the motivator. Shame is the thing that makes us feel depressed, anxious, and keeps us in that scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and something else that I'm just seeing a lot of people struggling with um, is, you know, body dysmorphia. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. people just feeling awful in their own bodies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, seeing themselves completely different, um, you know, than maybe the way mm-hmm. other people see mm-hmm. them. Um, or even just seeing yourself differently from day to day. I guess I don't really know what the what what is the like actual def medical definition of body dysmorphia. I think Can you, you actually that's us? it. Actually, I would think it is it is a it is a <laughs> okay. distress though, right? It's this like I do not see myself like I am wrong. I'm distorted. I'm not okay. I'm not enough. There's something I don't feel like I see myself right it feels Mm -hmm. it feels like a disconnect and so when you see yourself it causes a feeling of this is wrong this isn't me this Mm -hmm. isn't okay this is bad um and it, it sometimes can cause true like distortion that what people might see you as right if you like see yourself in a picture or like if you see yourself on the video um it might look completely different in your brain because the brain really it does create a map of like how things look right it it, it wants our brain is doing so much at every single moment like truly so it develops these maps to try to make information understanding easier for us right and so i'm gonna map in my brain what bodies look like okay so what i think my body looks like i have a map of that in my brain that's why when people gain or lose weight it can feel very alarming and very distressing and very physically uncomfortable because the brain has 
had this map of your body in one way, right? And then when it changes, the brain's like, wait a minute, no, hold on, this isn't, ah, something's wrong here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, there really is like a brain neurological, biological thing that is happening there for us. Our brains are so powerful. They are so like, powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I know from experience just that it is possible to rewire your brain. You just really Absolutely. have to put in the work. Absolutely. And, and being on media all of the time, you know, consuming social media, even honestly, like, so I'm in my 40s, magazines and commercials and TV. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching MTV and reality TV. My brain map takes all of those bodies, right, that I'm seeing online and sort of like says, this is what bodies should look like, right, based on all the information that's being filtered in. So if my body doesn't match because there's only typically one type of body portrayed on the media, right, mm-hmm what is my brain map foundation saying, right? That all bodies are supposed to look a certain way so I don't match. So we can rewire our brains. And I think it takes having that understanding of how the brain works. First of all, you're thinking this way because maybe like there is a true, like it's not as easy as just changing your mind, right? But Mm -hmm. this is why you have to sometimes talk to yourself honestly like to work yourself out of these mindsets truly because we get caught in this thinking so we have to like talk ourselves out of it yeah absolutely and I know that the media um, and pop culture still has a long way to go um, but this is why people talk about how important representation is right for everyone for everyone to see themselves in the media that we consume. Exactly. Um, exactly. So from, from, from a professional standpoint, do you feel like it is getting better, a little bit better maybe, or or is it just I being do. in different ways? I do. Let's hope that it sticks, right? Let's hope yeah. that it really is, um, it's not performative and it's not just like kind of like what's cool, you know? I really do hope to see we need to see that more bodies and people exist. I God, I mean, I think that's why racism is still so entrenched is because we don't have representation in places. We're still only seeing limited types of people. So when we can see everybody does everything, um, I think you know, I, I, that's how I think that's a lot. We have a lot of work to do there. I know that's like a very <laughs> privileged way of saying that, but that's like my hope, right? Is that when we can all kind of see each other as just, we're all the same because we all are the same, mm-hmm. but we can have cultural differences and race differences. If that makes yeah. sense, we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that we've talked about body diversity as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the the fact that we're not all supposed to look exactly the same. Exactly. Uh, right. Like, it doesn't even matter about race. We still harm truly people in larger bodies. Like, just, we still have, we're still harm. There's, 
we still want to see people as once one way, right? And so we have a lot of work to do, but I do see there being a lot of changes and I am seeing lots of different people and bodies represented in lots of different spaces. So I really hope it continues. And I think that conversations like this help. Um, but to anyone watching or listening, like if you are get if you're online and you're scrolling and you're feeling really anxious about your, like you start feeling funky about yourself and your body, I would ask you to kind of stop and take a minute and be like, what have you been filtering? What have been like the bodies and the images you've been seeing and consuming, right? How that might be filtering in your brain and causing you to feel how you're feeling about yourself and your body. Yeah, totally. I get questions all the time um, from people like, oh, should I unfollow this person because they're making me feel a certain way? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like you and I have to be really intentional, too, uh, with who I follow, you know, and what, yeah. what I'm scrolling through, and what I'm looking at, what I'm consuming, because, um, man, when you have food issues and body image issues, like those are always, which is something else I've had to learn to accept, is always mm-hmm. something that you have to work on, right? Like there's right. no, there's no just like magic pill overnight, like you're just going to be this like perfect self-loving human no. being, right? Like we're, no. once, once you have those issues, you always have to work on them. We... We don't give ourselves enough grace and compassion that we're flawed, that we're fucked, that we have things wrong with us, that, like, it's okay to legit have a problem. Like, you're allowed to not be perfect. You're allowed to have cellulite. You're allowed to have a few extra pounds or a lot of extra pounds. You're allowed to eat whatever the fuck you want like you know um we just have not given ourselves enough grace to like have to to be not okay if that makes sense right like there's so much pressure to be perfect Mm -hmm. but I think we we can learn to kind of like just be okay with the stuff that's not okay man it'd be cool yeah (laughs) it'd be cool yeah, again, it can be really powerful, right? Even mm-hmm. just in those moments when you're not okay, being able to say, I am not okay. Because we're so conditioned to say, you know, if people ask, hey, how are you? I'm I'm good. I'm great. Mm-hmm. Are you really? Yes. You know, you really have to take a step back and think about those things. It is. Like, I see so many clients so come in and they're like, I wish that this would just, like, go away. That I would never, like, feel this way again. And, like, I get that right that like you don't you don't want to be in pain but like you understand that if you take that feeling away you're not who you are right like you you're like you feel for a reason you have we right we just have we we got it into trying to fix everything and and make everything okay that sometimes it really it it does it you're not a bad person if things aren't okay for you right now right like if you're struggling if you're depressed you're not any less worthy I know it feels like you're not worthy or 
if you have a few extra pounds, you might feel unworthy and certainly people treat you badly, but honestly, your worth and value had like, right. It's, it's, I always tell people just turning down that shame knob that your worth and value needs not to be so attached to yes. those outcomes maybe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's just so powerful. And I, I hope so many people are getting, um, having some aha moments as Oprah calls them um, <laughs> while listening to this. Um, now when it comes to food, the, the main question people always ask whenever, uh, you know, I say that we're having you on and I know we've talked about it on, you've been on twice before. Um, but I want to talk about it again because people always ask, yeah, how do I know if I have disordered eating and what is the difference between that and having an eating disorder? Mm mental health and and the spectrum and the impact that it has on your mental health so disordered eating y'all are gonna this always fucks people up but disordered (laughs) eating is really any kind of like diet culture rule following restriction based um value based worth based behavior right that if you're saying i have to do this behavior whether that's eating not eating or moving your body or not moving your body right if you're having to do a certain behavior to like compensate or make yourself feel better or you know to to mitigate some kind of stress or anxiety I would say that's probably disordered for you and then like we had talked about earlier if it if there's any kind of distress any kind of shame guilt anxiety any kind any kind I'm for real like, if you have yeah. one of anxiety of, oh, shit, I didn't get to go to the gym yesterday, and I feel like a really piece of shit for that, right? That is disordered. That is a disordered, unhealthy thought. You should not think that, right? So I would say disordered could just be those weird sort of rules and behaviors. The frequency and the intensity of in which we engage in those behaviors and how it impacts our mental health swings it into an eating disorder yeah does that make sense absolutely so if you were someone say someone's listening to this episode and they're going okay well I have those feelings right Mm -hmm. of maybe shame or guilt or maybe I'm exhibiting some um not so positive behaviors with my food because I'm restricting because I want to lose weight or maybe my doctor told me I have to lose weight Mm -hmm. because I'm unhealthy um, you know, I, I, and cause I've been there, like, then it's, well, what do I do? Like, where do I start then? Like, how do I fix this quote unquote mm-hmm. problem, mm-hmm. um, that I have if, you know, I'm having all these feelings too. Um, so yeah, that's where do people start? <laughs> where do people start? Right. And yeah, now, that's why exercise and dieting feels so alluring maybe it's kind of like a first e I don't say easy but that's kind of like the intro to feeling Mm -hmm. better right is do all of these things um I would say 
and I do this with a lot of my clients, most of my clients actually, is like values-based work. Like if you're asking, if you're answering those questions and you're like, yeah, this might sound like me a little bit, write down your values and write down maybe like the top 10. There's a list. You could go to Pinterest. You could Google values list and there's like hundreds of them, right? So just start by choosing your top 10 that feel really, really like important to you. And then saying, okay, is my exercise routine, is my diet routine, is my focus on weight loss, how is it interfering with these values? And are there ways I can use these values, right, to give me more like care and compassion toward um, compassionately meeting these goals, right? Like, again, if you want to feel healthy, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be healthy. That is a value that is that is your prerogative, right? It's not healthy to feel anxiety and it's not healthy to feel guilt and it's not healthy to feel shame. So find a coach, find a therapist, um, work on self-compassion, right? Like just don't be such a dickhead to yourself and you will find a lot of things get easier for you. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned finding like a coach. I want to talk mm-hmm. about that just because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people out here mm-hmm. <laughs> who are coaches, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for, for you, what is something that you recommend people look for if they're looking for someone to help coach them as right. far as maybe education or certificates mm-hmm. and things like that? Like what are, right. what are things we should be looking for? I'll say this. I don't think if anyone is selling weight loss, they are not a legitimate coach because we cannot ethically or scientifically help people lose weight because we, when we, the thing with weight loss is initially people are going to lose weight. Great. Fine. The problem is, is that that is not sustainable and nine, I even think this is an old statistic so I hate to use old statistics but I'm talking like less than 10% less than 10% of people who lose weight are able to keep that weight off long term it just doesn't work you're not going to keep it off it, and weight cycling losing weight, gaining weight, dieting not dieting mm-hmm. That is what messes with people's health. That's what messes with people's things. So I would just say, don't work with somebody who is saying, I'm going to help you lose weight. Intentionally, intentional weight loss should not be, like it's not ethical and it's not scientific. Um, So I would just take those off the board. Um, The best of the best, like I'm a certified eating disorder specialist, right? So that's someone who I work with eating disorders. I work with disordered eating. I'm a licensed professional counselor. So you know that that is somebody who has like a lot of like credentials, education, trainings, extra specialized training in this. Um, But there are coaches and there are really good coaches truly so I don't want to like say that all coaches are bad I just if there is some kind of product maybe being sold to you and someone is selling you like some kind of a program I don't think that's coaching I just think that is selling you something 
right? That's not helping you be better you. That's just, here's this, here's this stuff and take it. So those are the coaches you should avoid. Okay. I like that. I like that advice. That's good. Cause mm-hmm. there's a lot of that going on. Especially there is Instagram a lot of that going world. on. And there's a lot of, there are coaches who do do good work for real. Like there are really, truly qualified certified health coaches. Right. So I don't want to like say that they're not legitimate, but it, it coaching is a very, sketchy world it really is um people can be deceived by the coaching world so I would just say maybe work with folks who have some kind of like certificate right of like a legitimate program you know that they went through some kind of training certification program to be able to do what they say they're doing yeah yeah Absolutely. And trust your gut. I feel like yes. we're just, uh, again, so conditioned not to trust our gut. Right. And and here's the thing that happens too. Like we're on social media, right? And we see all these coaches. I'm like, oh, she's so hot. I want to look like her. She has this thing. So I'm going to like work with her, right? If you're yeah. wanting to work with somebody because you want to look like them, you probably shouldn't work with them either because that's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, you're you. You're you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. You can eat exactly Mm -hmm. the same as someone else, do the same exact workouts, and you won't look like them. Because guess what? We're we are all extremely unique individuals, right? And it shouldn't be. (laughs) Oh well, she's living this really fun, great life. Maybe if I like, you know, do like her and look like her I can have that kind of a life too well that's also a fallacy and it's just Mm -hmm. good luck be you be you it's okay to be you yes yes absolutely and I think that um it's important to remember too that like success doesn't just have one definition like success can look whatever like success is different for everybody right like it doesn't have to be monetary it doesn't have to be you know kids in a white picket fence and whatever like whatever you think success looks like and you know it can look like whatever feels good to you moving and going right like you're allowed to keep trying there's no there's no rule I've, in any of the books that I've read and any of the training and learning that I've read. There's not a book that says after this many tries or after this many, you know, this age or this time, you're fucked. <laughs> like, like right. literally, it, there, it doesn't exist. That's stuff out there. Like, you're literally allowed to always be, it's so cliche, but you have another day. You get another chance, right, yes. to just yes. try to be better. We have a rule in our house. And we kind of developed it around the pandemic-ish. Um, just got to be 1% better. That's it. I just had to be 1% better than I was yesterday or last time this came up for me. Not 100%, because if I'm a 1% yes. better this time, next time it comes up, because it's going to keep coming up. These things that I had a friend a long time ago say to me, Stephanie, you never just arrive." None of us, like getting to that goal weight or I was a fitness competitor and I had the six pack abs and I didn't get to that check mark and was checked it off my list and was like, I'm done now. Like 
my life keeps going. I, right. We keep growing, we keep developing. And again, our bodies should roll with that. Who we are should roll with that. Mm -hmm. What we eat and how we move our body should roll with that development too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I'll say for myself, when I'm going through maybe a season of change um, or I'm working on a big project or whatever, something that I definitely struggle with that might, like sometimes it surprises people when I say this, but is is imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. This idea that like, uh, Mm -hmm. this isn't for me. I'm not, I'm not supposed to be in these spaces. I'm not supposed to be Mm -hmm. doing this or, you know, whatever, however that appears in your mind. And something that I've realized um, that helps me, I don't know, for some reason, I, I, it always helps me to know that other people struggle with the same shit I struggle with. So yes, just thanks. knowing that literally everybody deals with imposter syndrome and anxiety and, yes. you know, nervousness yes. and all of these things. Yes, yes. And I just started telling myself with imposter syndrome, if I'm feeling like an imposter, it just means that I'm doing the shit. Like, it just means that I'm like... I'm I'm doing the thing that I think I shouldn't be doing. (laughs) And it's going back, like, it's okay to, like, not know what you're doing. It's okay to, like, be scared. It's okay to be frustrated. Like, like, we don't have to, I don't want you getting stuck in those feelings and, like, bleeding into your life. But, like, okay, so what? Like, sometimes shit really gets hard. Life is really yeah. hard sometimes. It definitely is. And, mm-hmm. it, and it comes and it goes. It gets easy and then it gets hard. Again, right. 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 And it's forever and it. always. It, like, and again, yes. when you reach this like weight loss goal, I have the six pack abs. Life still mm-hmm. got hard for me. Like I'm still yeah. dealing with this collective, like, you know, like it, it didn't, it didn't, it doesn't fix anything. It really, really doesn't. Mm-hmm. And now part of the work that I do and why it's hard to talk about like weight loss and stuff because there are folks who in larger bodies who are really treated very badly and 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 differently and they are shamed by doctors and are shamed by Mm -hmm. people right and so I don't want to sit here and say that the desire to lose weight you should like if you want to lose weight you're a bad person and get over that desire and I get why that's there and so I go back to well then just don't be a dickhead to yourself about it right like if you want to feel healthy you're allowed to want to feel however you want to feel in your body it's your body yeah absolutely it's yours it's yours (laughs) so just care for it because it's yours to care for that's all yeah, absolutely. And you talked about that statistic that less than 10% mm. of people who lose a large amount of weight actually keep that weight off. And yeah. I'll say just from my experience and the people that I've met in this space and people that have lost a large amount of weight and kept it off, the the common theme I see with myself and all of these people that I've met is that first, before they even went into a weight loss journey, they worked on the root, right? They worked on their mental health first. And that was me too. I had to do therapy and I had to get to the root of my traumas and why I struggled with binge eating, which for me was the result of why Mm -hmm. I, you know, weighed what Mm -hmm. I weighed my whole life. So 
Um, yes. If you're still just trying to diet and, and lose weight, but you're never willing to actually go to therapy and deal right. with your shit, it doesn't really matter. We right? can change behaviors. Eating is a behavior. Exercise right. is a behavior. In college, I worked in the rat lab and I was able to change their behavior. So if I can change behavior in rats, right? Human behavior is easy to change. What makes human behavior hard to change is the stories that we tell ourselves, right? About things and and the feelings that we experience because we all are emotional beings whether and however we experience that and so food and our bodies are true tools to like express and deal with those things right to like to feel with our you know deal with our feelings and then uh all these messages around bodies it makes food complicated yeah, it certainly does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I want to get into some of the questions mm-hmm. that were sent in from our listeners. Um, so the first question I have for you is kind of a long one here. Um, so how to fix your relationship with food? I lost a lot of weight on a low-calorie diet, but have mm-hmm. gained almost all of it back in a relatively short period of time. Yep. Again, a story we hear Normal. all the time, right? Normal. Yep. Yes. I struggle with binge eating and don't know how to move forward without crazy calorie counting again. Uh, so many questions. Thank you. So she wants to know, like, yeah. intuitive eating, question mark. Is that? Yes. Yes. So I would, that was what I was going to say, really, is like, okay, so I would say find a therapist, find a coach. I have um, a bunch, shameless plug here the recovery-academy.com. I have literal courses where I teach and break down the intuitive eating principles. Cause again, intuitive eating is like, I hate to say a lifestyle, right? But it really is unfucking all of these rules and, and conditioned thoughts around food. So it's work, right? Um, it's daily intentional work um, to challenge you things, but you could go to Amazon, get the book, get the workbook intuitive eating and you could start that journey like today when I have folks and they're kind of like you know getting started on this one of the first things I ask them to do is maybe start thinking about all of your food rules so all of those like I should or I should not I must I ought right all of those kind of like things that you are supposed to be doing around food I would just kind of start making like a little journal or note in your phone keeping track of that because when you start to see all of that on paper in that way you're like what the fuck like I'm an adult I can eat whatever I want like you know like if I'm hungry dang it I'm gonna eat so and then to just pick a rule and just work on challenging one rule at a time, right? So what if it is just like, I can't eat past a certain time? So just say, okay, I'm going to intentionally work on breaking this rule. Just one time. So set up a plan, right? So say like, okay, Friday night, I'm going to give myself permission to have ice cream past 930, right? And kind of maybe you make a date. Y'all go out, have your ice cream. It can be fun. It doesn't have to be like this, like, 
miserable. Oh my God, I have to like eat this thing and do this thing. Like make it fun for you, but start having, start finding fun ways to break those rules um, might be a good place to get started with that. I love that. Um, all right, our next question. Um, what would a therapist tell a 33-year-old woman who wants to move back in with her mom? I bought a home a few years ago and have a job and a six-figure salary, but I'm lonely. I have no, I'm single and I have no partner and no children um, and don't value this type of individualism. I don't know what this says about me, um, but she wants mm. to move in with her mom. Mm-hmm. So I think you would find that I am the type of therapist who likes to give a lot of permission and a lot of compassion. So I can't say specifically, because I don't know, like all the relationship dynamics, right? Because sometimes that might not be a healthy dynamic. I would want to talk about like boundaries, you know, for establishing this type of relationship. But I tend to be more of a yes if it feels good in your gut right like if your heart not your brain because your brain's gonna overthink it and <laughs> rationalize a bunch of things so if you could kind of like sit with your heart for a minute and if your heart is saying yes I'm gonna give you permission to explore that but you know set boundaries have conversations um you know just can we be open, right? And and doing that. If your heart says no, it's okay to explore that too. What would that yeah. look like? Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, next question. Um, I feel like I do good eating during the work week mm. with a schedule, but mm. binge and eat like crap on the weekends. Mm. How do I stop this? Mm. I think. Part of it is eating dessert or sugar more often on those days off than it's nonstop until bed. I've struggled with this binging all my life. I think you're right. You are right, right? To start to stop neglecting yourself. Um, I would encourage you to stop trying to do good during the week and eat what you want to eat during the week mm -hmm. what if you those foods that you're binging on at night what if you started introducing them at various times throughout your week and seeing what that did to uh your binging keep in mind binging is about restriction okay so if you are binging it means that somewhere some somewhere along the road you've been restricting you're telling yourselves foods are bad and foods aren't allowed and so then you are binging on them later so we want to work on like we had talked about the scarcity um mindset too that like there the oreos aren't going anywhere you can always have oreos or it's okay or, hey, you can eat the Oreos. No, there's no shame. There's no shame if you eat the Oreos, and there's no shame if you don't eat the Oreos, right? So um, I went on and on about that question. <laughs> no, but I, I find it interesting that, and I see this, right? And I do it too. Like, mm -hmm. this person who asked this question, she knows the answer, right? Like, her, her, the answer is in the question that she's asking, yeah. but it's it's almost like we're afraid, again, to give ourselves that permission right to eat those quote-unquote bad foods yeah 
Um, yep. and, and it's interesting. I think people have a hard time understanding that once you are like, once you stop thinking about foods in that way, and like you said, maybe give yourself permission to introduce those foods in, it has the opposite effect that we think it's going to have. It does. There's this saying with intuitive eating that it, you have permission to eat all the food on the table. But what people also need to keep in mind if you're practicing intuitive eating is that you're listening to your fullness cues. So that means that you don't have to eat all the food on the table. I can eat that whole bag of Oreos. <laughs> I don't have to eat that whole bag of Oreos, mm -hmm. right? They, the, the, the shame, the guilt, the whatever is the same, no matter what behavior I choose. But I'm listening to my body, and I'm listening to it say, I'm a little full on Oreos. I don't want to eat those Oreos anymore. And I tell this story how when I first started intuitive eating, I was obsessed with eating Chick-fil-A before I learned about their practices. And then I um, was obsessed with eating popcorn. And I ate an unhealthy, I hate to say that, but I ate a, like, I was eating a lot of popcorn and a lot of Chick-fil-A. And then one day, my body literally was like, I don't really want that anymore. If we are giving ourselves permission to eat foods and we're really listening to our bodies, our bodies are going to say, hey, I don't want any more of that. I'm good. Yeah. And, and I know that's scary to trust that, right? But yeah. it really is self-care and that compassion, turning down that shame knob is mm -hmm. how you practice getting yourself to that point where you can eat like that. Yeah. It's a practice. It's a practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just like everything, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's lots of steps to help you begin that practice. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. So our next question, um, what do you recommend to someone that seems to dissociate from current feelings and emotions in the moment? I think a lot of us are struggling with this right now. Um, I don't know why I do it, but I've been doing it for a while now, and it makes it hard to connect emotionally. Okay, so wow, good job observing that and like recognizing that and lean into that, tune into that. That's your like higher, healthy, better, enlightened self, right? I don't think disassociation is bad. And it goes back to kind of what we were talking about before like, we don't need to always fix things right and so I want to turn down the shame knob around this behavior that first of all we dissociate for a lot of reasons sometimes it's just fuck the brain's tired it's filtered in a <laughs> lot of information and I'm going to get on social media and I'm going to scroll and that's a great dissociation um, there are other types right where you just kind of like feel like you check out for a little bit I know when that is happening, that feels very alarming. Um, it's usually like anxiety related. I would say if you really want to get into it, go talk to like a therapist because is it like a trauma related thing? And with some kind of like yoga exercises, meditation, some type of trauma work help you dissociate less perhaps. 
Um, but it's not, so first of all, it's not necessarily bad. And if it is interfering with your wife, like it sounds like it is, um, are there some like grounding type, I don't know, like this is so school, but like a, a rubber band on your wrist, right? Or like a fidget tool or like a, like a, some kind of like something to ground you when you notice yeah. you're kind of like checked out a little bit and dissociated. You're going to reach for, feel, ground into, grab this thing that's going to help, right, bring you back into the moment. Because that's all that it is, right? It's just a disconnection. And so mm-hmm. when we're working with people to help work them through this, it's how are we just get regrounded, and the more you reground after disassociating, right, the better you get it. Yeah, absolutely. Back. Yeah, I, I, this is something I personally struggle with a lot mm-hmm. is dissociation. Um, and for me, it is a trauma response. Yeah, um, but I yeah. do find that sensory um, helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. Exactly what you were just talking about, mm-hmm. right? Like just kind of. Um, but like uh, fr- like uh, the, uh, the jade rollers, you could put one in your yes. freezer. Yes, right? I was going to say. Yes, yeah. I use those. And it's really good on your face or like yes. on your neck, especially mm-hmm. like right here where our vagus nerve is. That's like mm-hmm. our trauma response system, right? So. Or just get an ice cube or an ice pack and just put it, you know, like around your neck or a face, splash your face with water. Those sorts of like, you're right, those sensory things can really bring you to the moment. But also then it's not, again, necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it's okay. It's an adaptive behavior. Mm -hmm. It's how we survive. And so it's not something that you want to fix and it go away forever. Yeah, it's just something that you don't want it to be interfering with your life and your values. Yes, I love that explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, how do you know if you have a binge eating disorder versus just being a binge eater? Hmm. That's all they say. They don't care yeah, anything else. That, I like that's, that someone. That's the I like question. That this is the question. <laughs> it was short and sweet. Okay, so binge. Eating is a disordered behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would argue not a healthy behavior. Work on that. Okay. Why does it matter if it's binge eating disorder? Yeah, right. Right? Because if you have binge eating disorder, that's telling me you are very anxious, you are very depressed. You experience a great deal of shame. You are very concerned about your body. You are very concerned about weight loss. You are very concerned about food. And those things are taking up a lot of space in your brain, right? And you're not living the free life that you want to be living. So I would then definitely say you're suffering and there's no reward for suffering, so please, no, you don't have to suffer. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And then, and the next question is, how do you get to the root of your binge eating? Okay. Go to yeah. It it there's a lot of different reasons. So psychologically, and if we're looking like clinically, like the DSM, um, we're seeing it change and we're going to see it come where we're going to say it's it's not really so much if it's binge eating disorder or anorexia it's more or less what 
kind of is driving these behaviors? Is it trauma related? Is it environmental and social? Is it uh, brain related, psychological, like or like a traumatic brain injury? Is it nutrition related? Right? Like there, we're seeing that it's more. Um, if you're suffering, that matters. Like you shouldn't yeah. suffer, right? Yes. And so we care more about what is the. There's lots of different reasons why you're suffering. So journaling and talking to somebody is really going to help you get to that. But like, it's hard work. So don't do it alone. Yes. Yes, definitely. Again, we talked about this earlier, lean into your support, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's because you're going to, because those things that I said, all those sort of like five, six things, those are like hard things to uncover. And there's going to be a lot of emotion that comes up with that and a lot of mm -hmm. limiting beliefs and stories that you're telling yourself about that. And you're going to want somebody to help check you and challenge you to say, hey, that's not a normal, that's not, that's not a normal thought. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, our next question. Um, I want to lose weight and be genuinely more healthy with nutrition and movement, but I struggle when I am calorie counting or on a diet like WW because it's hard not to over-restrict and binge. Any mm -hmm. tips to overcome this? Stop the calorie counting. <laughs> stop the restricting and start practicing some intuitive eating. Um um, you know, one thing that we haven't really talked about, but we've kind of maybe like hinted on is our feelings affect our appetite. We eat what we feel or we don't eat what we feel either mm -hmm. way or however. Right. And so, um, there's nothing wrong with honoring our emotions with food, but it's learning. How are you? managing your emotions what are the different ways that you show up to care for yourself when things get hard food's one way can we come up with other ways to help you take care of yourself boundaries journaling meditating God, there's a lot of ways to take care of yourself <laughs> yeah there certainly healthy. is Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit more about emotional eating because mm -hmm. I feel like, again, that, that phrase, emotional eating, is seen in such a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I know for, for myself, rewiring the way I think about emotional eating has helped me tremendously. Mm -hmm. um, and that it yeah. isn't a bad thing, right? No, it's not. It, we've shamed it because that's like diet culture, right? Mm -hmm. Diet culture has taught us to be very restricted and controlled and, and in control of our hunger cues and our bodies. Um, it, it, but <laughs> our emotions, and honestly, so I taught a class, um, a sensory and cognition class, and it was about how like our brain and processes the different senses, right? And so the taste sensory has to filter through the emotional center of our brain. Like we literally cannot taste food without it going and having some kind of like emotional 
attachment, right? Does that mean that every time we eat, there's emotion attached to it? No. But does that mean that emotion and food can become very attached? And yes, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you're allowed to care for yourself. Just care for yourself. And if you're caring for yourself with a pint of ice cream, okay. I wouldn't want you doing that every day, all day, all the time. I might want you to say, hey, what are some other skills we can put in this coping toolbox of yours, right? So that you can take care of yourself with a pint of ice cream but then you're going to go do all of these other things so that you're really lifting yourself and filling yourself up and not depleting from yourself yeah absolutely now I have a question I just and this I guess is just like your personal opinion but sometimes I wonder are there even people who exist who don't have some form of disordered eating, thinking, you know, like, I'm like, do these people even exist? Yeah, but I feel like we all have it to some extent. We do. I mean, we really, because the, the food rules are just so, and dieting and, like, body rules are just so, like, entrenched. I'm in my 40s, so, like, grew up in the 80s. Exercise was a, I mean, like, you had to look a certain way and exercise a certain way so my mother she was taught to move and but but even like men too it's not just women men are certainly told this is what masculine men look like or not this is what a strong man looks like or not right and so I think that most of us I think all of us have been told the bullshit Okay, and that bullshit, those rules and those ideas exist in all of our brains. Some of us get really attached to those, and there are others who aren't, they don't get attached to that story as much. Yeah, that's, that's, thank you for explaining Mm -hmm. it that way. Mm -hmm. That definitely helps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we have our last question here from our listeners. Um, our listener says I'm married but I have feelings and a crush on my trainer that I spend a lot of time with is this normal or does it mean that there's something missing in my marriage that is such a good question <laughs> and hard to completely answer without like a full knowing story, right everything, everything. <laughs> right um, but I think this is something that I'm sure a lot of people mm-hmm. especially in a marriage mm-hmm. um, deal with or think about or, or have I think I'll say this from like maybe a mental health perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm sex positive. And so I will always encourage anybody to do you, right? Sex and feeling fulfilled sexually is a very important part of doing you. But we have to have open, honest, flexible conversations with our partners right and we have to put our partners and make them a priority so I guess I would just say like hmm, I don't know (laughs) it seems like trainers can be hot right and attractive and you spend a lot of time with them yes and I feel like that's one of those cliches right yeah the the hot trainer affair (laughs) 
<laughs> and you get to know them and so you're spending a lot of like vulnerable intimate time with the person so I do think that like that right is 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 a risk um I'm a big fan of open honest communication yeah same mm-hmm. yeah same and you never know your partner yeah. might might help you explore that fantasy because, yeah, right? because monogamy isn't for everybody yeah heterosexuality isn't for everybody I am a true heterosexual like in a monogamous relationship but that works for me but I know that there are a lot of people who that doesn't work for and and it shouldn't work for them but that's the world we live in so it hasn't been okay to explore sexuality and it hasn't been okay to explore sex and have these conversations and so part of me being sex positive is just that right like I don't want to say it's bad to be attracted to another person um and that it's bad to have multiple partners I do think it's bad to cheat and I do think it's bad to hurt people and I do think it's bad to be dishonest so how can we not do those things yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, if, if whoever asked this question is listening, <laughs> I think a good place to start is just talk to your partner. Mm-hmm. Have have an open, honest, hopefully safe mm-hmm. conversation. But that's uh, uh, me coming from a privileged place, I feel like, because I have a partner who's extremely right, exactly. receptive and supportive, and not everybody has that. Exactly. So, th- right. So it's how do you even start those conversations? And um, my you're right you have to have a partner who is safe to have those conversations yeah like you don't want to just walk in the room and be like hey can I bang my part can I bang my trainer like right maybe it's just getting permission to know like is it okay to just be attracted to other people like Mm -hmm. hey partner how would you feel about that I wouldn't care if you were attracted to somebody else but where do we start to cross those lines like at what point in the relationship is he or she or they gonna say I'm not okay with that Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's a conversation a lot of people mm-hmm. don't even have in their relationships is, hey, what is your definition of cheating? Right. What, what are right. you okay with? What am I right. okay with? You know? And again, I feel like those are conversations that need to be revisited too, because again, just like we change, our relationships change and evolve too. Yeah. And people need different things sexually. And, and, and I, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot and trying to learn a lot about like polyamory and non-monogamous relationships it's a thing and it works for people and it's beautiful Mm -hmm. and it's good so I don't want to like dismiss it but also it can not it can hurt people if you're Mm -hmm. not having the right conversations so yeah good luck having those fun conversations (laughs) and if it's fine and if your partner's fine with you just being attracted to somebody like you're a woman I'm assuming I shouldn't I'm sorry you're a person yeah. So people have sexual needs and desires. So I wouldn't even like shame you if you just think this person's hot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're human. Right. It's, yeah. Maybe they're normal they are to hot. be, att- yeah, yeah, it's normal to be attracted to people. <laughs> right. Um, but I think the biggest component that's missing in a lot of people's relationships mm-hmm. is just that component of communicating, right? And just having open, honest conversations. And communicating your sexual needs because they matter. They're very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you have a hard time doing that, you know, again, you can't reach out for help. I mean, there there are... There are therapists. Yes. There are coaches. There are retreats. 
Uh, yes, yes. Spend a weekend in a beautiful resort and learn how to sex on your partner. Like, that's yes. amazing. <laughs> Sign me up for yeah, that. Yeah, I'm right? like, do you know when the next one is? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to Google that. Yes. Uh, this has been so much fun, Dr. Steph. We always love having you on the show. Um, and I know our listeners yes. always get so much out of our conversations. Um, anything else love you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, just that I have so I have so fun, so much fun. I lost my words, and I appreciate you having me. Thank y'all for listening and your really fun questions. If you, I have so much content on yes. intuitive eating right now. Uh, in August, I have an exercise course and like eating disorder recovery. If you're just like is it disordered or where am I at right um they're just self-help courses to help give you a little bit of information you can get all of that at recovery-academy.com or find me on social media because I'm all over social media so look forward to connecting with y'all Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please leave us a review. We greatly appreciate that. And we'll see you bitches next Monday. Bye.